0: Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, good evening. For tonight, uh, we're going to continue on in Timothy. And uh, if you would please turn with me to 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Tonight, the sermon on the screen will be a little different than the Bibles in front of you. The Bibles in this church are a slightly different translation, which is yet one thing we're working out with uh, having church in here on the last Sunday of the month Um, edition to our short little screen, which I kind of like. So, but please join me in the reading of the scripture uh, this evening. Um, Lisa, will you just, just blank it? That's fine. Yeah, we'll read it right out of the, the text, since that, so that way we can all be on the same page. It's on page 212 uh, in the New Testament in this Bible. You then, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me, Through many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. The soldier's aim is to please the enlisting officer. And in the case of the athlete, no one is crowned without competing according to the rules. It is the farmer who does the work who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And if we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the sermon tonight, I've entitled Insight from the Lord, because the issue I want to talk about is exactly what Paul is talking to Timothy here about. How do we gain insight from the Lord? How do we hear from God? How do we grow in God? How do we grow in wisdom and in stature like the Proverb says that we were reading? As I reminded you last week, I'll say again, the thesis of 1 Timothy was about running away and teaching good doctrine, avoiding false teachers. And 2 Timothy is about endurance. 2 Timothy is about what do we need as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ to run the race, to, to finish our lives well, to live in a way consistently day after day that honors God. That is the aim. The aim is not to, you know, have a, a last-minute conversion, you know, to, to, to live your life as you would want it and hope that, uh, hope that you salvage it with a couple of good years at the end, but that, no, we, we would have this life that we were consistently honoring and glorifying God as, as believers. And last week we talked about this, about being convinced, about being convinced with what God can do, not only in the world but also through us, through our belief and through our service. And tonight we are going to be talking about how do we hear from God, how do we gain insight from God so that, as he says in verse 2, that we can entrust what we know to reliable men and women. Last week we talked about generational faith. We talked about leaving a legacy of faith and belief for those people we work with, those people in our families, those people in our lives. And and Paul comes back to something he mentioned in chapter one here. And he says again to Timothy, he says, so then join with me in suffering. I don't like this. I, I wish Paul would stop saying it. Anyone who's been through a season of hardships knows they don't want to go back to that anyone who's been through a season of uncertainty, of suffering, however you would define the suffering. Maybe you're in it now. You say, I want out of this. I don't want to join someone in suffering. I want things to be easier. But it seems very important to the Apostle Paul that we do this together. And so again, he says to Timothy, join with me in suffering, Timothy. And here we get a new detail, though. He he gives us more about this idea of joining with each other in suffering and endurance. He says, like what? He says, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? He says, he gives us a little explanation. He says that no one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. Soldiers' aim is to please the enlisting officer. So he says that as soldiers, as good soldiers of Christ, we ought to be committed to what God has called us to, committed to what we've been enlisted to. I think even in Switzerland, uh, being a soldier is is probably the best deal I've ever seen. I see him coming home on the weekends. It's the best. I, I, I think about myself when I was 18 and graduating high school. I actually wanted to be in the Army because I thought that's a pretty good deal. I mean, they give you a place to live. They give you clothes. They tell you what to do. They tell you what to eat. I mean, I don't really have to worry about anything. As long as I can get through it without getting in too much trouble, this is a good life. So I like it when Paul says, hey, like a good soldier, Christ has laid out that which we need. Christ has laid out that which we ought to do day after day. And so like a good soldier, join with one another in suffering. He also gives the analogy of the athlete that he also gave in 1 Timothy. He says that an athlete is not awarded a crown, is not rewarded for finishing unless they follow by the rules. Unless there's, they follow these guidelines set around them. Many of us understand this metaphor from sports. Or finally, he says, like a farmer, a good farmer who has worked diligently all year, a good farmer who has prepped the land and pulled the weeds and done all of the hard work, there will be a reward. He'll take his share of the crops. But instead of doing what Paul would normally do and go through a longer explanation, he actually does something kind of unique. He says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, um, just reflect on all this. Just, just just, think about it for a while. And, and I remember thinking when I'm reading this and I'm studying this and I'm thinking, no, 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 keep going. Give us more metaphors. Give us more analogy. Give us Unpack that a little bit more. There's a lot to that. There's a lot to being a soldier for God. There's a lot to being a farmer and, and, and nurturing. And, and how do we do this? And so tonight what I wanted to talk about was exactly this. How do we gain this insight from God? How do we learn about the things God is telling us? Why did Paul say to Timothy, Hey, you know what, Timothy? Just think over what I say. Just think about it. The Lord will give you understanding in all these things. Will he? I believe he will. I believe there's, when we look at this, immediately all of us think of different things. Some of us, if we have any sort of farming background, you're drawn to that. I'm immediately drawn to the the athlete analogy. Some of you, if, if, if you've ever served in a military or had family in military, you're immediately drawn to that and you begin thinking about that. There's a lot to this. There's a lot to unpack. But I believe Paul is instructing Timothy the same thing that Moses instructed Joshua to do. If you've ever studied the Old Testament, Moses was a great guy. And Moses handed off leadership of Israel to a guy named Joshua. And in doing that, he gave Joshua some great instructions. He said to Joshua, all right, you want success, you want to do well, you want to be a good leader, you want to be a good servant of the Lord, here's what you should do. He said this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. He said, Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you will be prosperous and successful. And and that is just the law. That's just the first five books of the Bible. How much more wisdom, how much more can we gain from all this extra that has happened since? All of these other things that the Lord has revealed. Including what Paul is saying to Timothy here. That we should join with one another in suffering. That we should come together. Paul is telling Timothy, reflect on the things of God. But don't just reflect on the things of God. God. Revisit the things of God. Go back and reread. Go back and analyze what God has done in your life. The Lord will give you insight for the future. I once heard of a Bible professor who had read through the Bible. He was in his 80s, he was very old. And, and one day he walked into class with a big smile on his face, and someone asked him, Why are you so happy today? And he said, Today I finished reading through the Bible for my 200th time. And his classmates are all sitting there astounded, you know, these young Bible students. How in the world could you read through the Bible 200 times? And someone asked him, doesn't it get boring? And he said, no. He said, every time I find something new on every page. And I'm, I, for whatever reason, this story has always stuck with me. <laughs> I wonder if I could do that. I don't think I could read through the Bible 200 times. But, but it illuminates what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's saying, hey, reflect on these things, and the Lord will give you insight. So then let us, let us tonight, let us reflect a bit here. What does he say? He says, okay, soldiers should not bother with civilian affairs, athletes in training, and and, and a farmer working long hours. What do these have in common? What does God want us to see in these things? What are some things we can glean from these tonight? Well, the first I would say is that they all take great commitment. They're all a very specific thing. No one is really a part-time farmer. You know, it's a full-time job. If, if I have a friend who's a farmer in Minnesota, actually, and he works very long hours. No one is, maybe later in life, but no one is a part-time soldier. No one just decides to be a soldier some of the time. And if you've ever been in a position of training or in a position of being an athlete, <laughs> you If anyone here has ever run a marathon, I haven't because I'm too afraid, but if anyone here has ever run a marathon, I know people who have run a marathon and they've trained and it takes six or eight months of careful, planned training. And I know people who have also tried to run a marathon without doing six or eight months of careful, planned training. Um, It takes commitment. Good friend of mine, he decided he was a good athlete in good shape and he decided he was just going to train for one month for a marathon. Afterwards, he didn't walk for about four days. So when we look at these, immediately, this is what sticks out to me. It takes great commitment, and it takes great endurance. These these analogies Paul gives us immediately stick out to me that there will be commitment and endurance needed. But there's also rewards. There's also rewards listed. He says that the soldier pleases the officer. The athlete gains the crown. The farmer gets the crops. And as I look at that, immediately I'm thinking, wow, here's multiple things through three basic analogies that I can learn from, that I can practice on, that I can say, wow, what areas of my life do I need more endurance? What areas of my spiritual life do I need more commitment? Do I really see the prize? Do I really see the crown? Do I really trust that the Lord has what is good for me and that that is what I'm going to? All three give us greater insight into God. All three desire special focus. And so, as we look at this, I just want to encourage you tonight. I know it's a simple truth, but I just really want to encourage you tonight. What are you spending your time going towards? How do you spend your effort towards I think the Lord desires that we would spend a lot of time in his word. I think the Lord desires that we would spend a lot of time reflecting on the things he has set before us. And I want to mention this briefly because as someone who who, who has gone to seminary, who loves books, who loves theology, who loves extra-biblical resources, um, I would encourage you to keep them not totally separate. Let me just say this. I love extra-biblical resources. I love commentaries. I love, I'm weird. I like Greek dictionaries. I like... You know, I like learning about things. I like reading about different viewpoints. But the reality is, is that there is no substitute for this book. There is no substitute for sitting down and reading it like a story. Even as we go through Second Timothy, I read it and I think, you know, this is a letter. It's meant to be read top to bottom, just straight through. I and mean, we don't have time for that. We'd be here very, very late in the evening. But I just wanted to mention that to you tonight, just to encourage you. As you read the Bible, it's good to study. It's good to look at commentaries. It's good to look at study Bibles with all the information and all that stuff. But I would also challenge you as you read the Bible and as you go to Scripture to reflect on the things and gain insight from the Lord, as Paul said to Timothy, that you would just sit with this book for a while, that you would not try to gain more understanding and wisdom through men, but that you would gain knowledge and wisdom through the Holy Spirit and through the Lord. I once heard someone say that worship is a response to what we value most. And if we really value the Lord, and we really value the Lord like we say we do, and like we worship Him, then our response will be time with Him. Set aside as an athlete trains, and as a farmer devotes himself to his crops. It's a good thing. Now, as Paul says, he goes back to suffering. (laughs) After telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, reflect on these things. Commit yourself to these things. Why? Because unfortunately, there will be hardships. There will be trials. There will be suffering. I mentioned this on the youth retreat. On the youth retreat back in September, we went through the book of Jonah. And the reason I chose the book of Jonah, there's a couple of them, but the main one is there's one similarity we all have in this life. Some of us have money, some of us don't. Some of us have great families, some of us don't. Some of us will will stay in one place for our entire lives, and some of us travel the world and do all different things, but the one similarity we all will have in this life is suffering. Unfortunately, we will all experience pain and hardships of some kind. And so Paul says, hey, listen, we must do this together. We must join together because none of us are exempt from this. None of us are exempt from the hard work of being a soldier. None of us are exempt from the hard work of farming or training. None of us are greater than our Savior, who suffered far greater than any of us ever will. And if the goal is to be like Christ, and the ultimate reward that we're seeking is that that community with God and being one with God again and being redeemed, then Paul says that we suffer together. And that we come together and we reflect on his word together. That we might endure whatever the world throws at us. That we join together as one body of believers. Because of what he says here. I want to, if you shut your Bible, open it back up. Just look at this little argument he gives. I want to go through it real quickly so that, no, so that none of us missed it. Because at the first read, it it, it can be a little tricky. This is why we suffer. This is why we come together. This is why we study the word. These these like two and a half verses right here. Starting in verse 11. It says, The saying is sure. If we died with him, we also will live with him. Okay, I'm going to stop here real quick. This is the foundation, Right? When Jesus talks to a man named Nicodemus in the Gospels, he tells him that he must be born again. And Nicodemus the Pharisee doesn't understand it. But for us today, we must understand what this means. That if we have died, if we have died to our life of sin, if we have died to our past life, if we have died to the things of this world, then Christ offers us new life. And that this new life is eternal. That when our physical bodies die, we will live with him for eternity in paradise, in heaven. And so Paul is saying here if we died with him, if you are a Christian, if you believe in the cross and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you, brothers and sisters, will also live with him. And he goes on in verse 12, and he says, And if you endure, we will reign with him. So if you continue, if you run the race, if you stay devoted like a farmer or a soldier, you will reign with him. So not only will you be in heaven, but you will be part of the royal family in heaven. You, are, you have a great inheritance for all of eternity. But then he says this line, which is very difficult. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. Now this word deny is also translated disowned in some areas, and, but I want to point something out to you that I believe is very important. This does not mean that if we deny Christ once that we have somehow failed or messed up or ruined everything. Remember the apostle Peter when Jesus is arrested. He denies him three times. So, um, and Peter was still okay. So what I want to say is this. is When it says deny, it's not saying that you, you, know, you can't mess up otherwise you're toast. You know, otherwise he's going to deny you. No, what it's saying is a bigger picture. What it's saying is, is if your life is one that denies Christ, is if at the end of your life you have lived your life in a way that denies Christ as the Son of God and the God of the universe. And it's a difficult thing to hear, but it's true. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That's Matthew chapter 10, verse 33. When he's sending out his disciples, he says, listen, there are going to be those that disown me. There are going to be those that cause you hardship. There are going to be those who don't agree with us and with you, and that's okay. But you must remain committed. But you must remain committed to the calling God has given you. Because in verse 13, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. See, when he says deny, it's talking about our whole lives and it's talking about those that deny Christ with all of their lives. But you know what's great? If we miss the mark, if we mess up, if we stumble and trip and fall on our faces and make a fool out of ourselves before our God, what does it say? He remains faithful. That even when we mess up, even when we fall short, because we live with him, he will remain faithful to us. For he cannot deny himself, because we have become one with God. Remember, before Jesus left his disciples, he said in John chapter 17, he prayed that we would become one with God the same way he is one with God. And when we become a Christian, when we believe that Jesus was who he said he was, we become one with him. And he is faithful to us to forgive and to love. The difference is the motivation of our heart. I talked about it this morning in Luke chapter 19 with the story of Zacchaeus. When our heart is for God, he reaches out and calls us by name. And, and if you want more proof, consider the two parables. The parable of the prodigal son, where the father welcomes the son with open arms who came back home. He was faithful to his son. Consider the parable of the lost sheep where the shepherd goes to find the one lost sheep whom he loves so much. We endure because God is faithful and he will remain faithful in all circumstances. And what we do in the meantime is we think over the things that God has told us in Scripture. We meditate on Scripture. We study Scripture. We seek out the insight of God the same way the Apostle Paul told Timothy. Seek out the insight of God so that you can endure with what God has called you to do. And the reason being Shoot down with me to verses 20 and 21, and we'll end with this. If you have time this week, I would encourage you to study verses 14 through the end of chapter 2, 14 to 26. It's great stuff, but I just want to read verses 20 and 21. He says, this is why we do these things. In a large house, there are utensils, not only of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of clay, some for special use and some for ordinary. All who cleanse themselves of the things I have mentioned will become special utensils, dedicated and useful to the owner of the house ready for every good work the reason we join in suffering the reason we study the word the reason we seek out insight from the lord is because god wants us to essentially to be put to work for him god wants you to make his name famous god wants you to serve him with your life god wants you to do great things god has called you to do great things I can't help but think about this in this city that we live. You know, when I was younger, I went to a church that was a big new building. It was just a concrete box, you know, carpet on the floor. Everything was kind of nice and clean, but it has no history. It has no background. And I walk around this city, and this week, I uh, had a little bit of time, and I met with a guy who's a Swiss guy who's very, very involved in, in the state church here, in the history of uh, the Swiss Reformed Church. And we, we had a conversation about history. Had a conversation about the Reformation, about all these people who have gone before us. And, it, and then we had a conversation about martyrs, and those who have, saved, who have endured so much that they gave their very lives to serve God. And I immediately realized that we all are called to different things. But think of this place where God has placed you in this city, in this time, for this, whatever it is you're called to, you are here for a reason, for a purpose in this time and place. And he desires that you would be a useful utensil in his kingdom. That you would not get used up like a utensil, but that you would bring others to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That you would share the love he has for all of his people. That you would be encouraged by the insight from scripture that he gives us daily. That we would reflect on the things of God as Paul told Timothy. You know, I, I was sitting um, sitting just the other day with my parents in the Fraumunster looking at the Chagall windows. And I was just thinking, how many people over the years, now those windows are new. But how many people over the years have encountered the love of God in that church? And, and look at this building. I mean, this building for Europe is new. <laughs> You know, but even in 100 years, 110 years of this building being here, how many people have felt the love of God in this room? How faithful is our God? He will do the same for you. He will do the same for your family. He will do the same for those who remain dedicated and steadfast in what he has called them to do. Because he promised us if we died with him, we will also live with him. And if we endure, we will also reign with him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, you have made these promises and and we rest in them tonight. Lord, we find peace in them tonight. Lord, we worship you because of these promises. You are our God and you are our king, but you are also a father who calls us by name because you love us. And you come alongside us in our work and in our commitment, and in our endurance, you give us strength through the power of your Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you for your insight, Lord. Thank you for your truth. It's in your Son's matchless and holy name we pray all these things. Amen.